You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. In today's episode, we have the fascinating tale of the photographer Mrs. F. M. Hurd of Great Bend, Kansas. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Hi, everybody. Today, our story starts with a photograph. It's just a little carte de visite of a man with a mustache, done by a Mrs. F.M. Hurd. As a photograph, it's okay, but it's not terribly remarkable. But the story that discovering this card led to is anything but ordinary. The first question, of course, is who was Mrs. F.M. Hurd, this photographer from Great Bend, Kansas? The short answer to that is that Mrs. F.M. Hurd was a woman named Frances Morris Hurd. She was married to a man named Arthur A. Hurd, and Frances goes by Frankie, and Arthur A. typically goes by A.A., so those are the names I'm going to be using throughout the rest of the story. Now, A.A. was an up-and-coming young lawyer when he married Frankie Morris in Great Bend in 1875. A.A. was also the first mayor of Great Bend, Kansas. After the marriage, the newlyweds settle down in Great Bend, and A.A. decides to build a new home, and the newspaper article that mentions that he's been in this grand mansion mentions also that there's going to be a photography gallery built as part of it. Now, that newspaper article says that A.A. will be doing the photography, but in fact, it's his wife, Frankie, who owns and operates the gallery starting in 1877. It's interesting to note that in 1877, when Frankie opens that gallery, she's actually overlapping and competing with another photography gallery in town run by a woman named Mrs. Gainsford, who was, I believe, the first female photographer in Great Bend, Kansas. She'll be the subject of a later podcast. Now, Mrs. Gainsford was probably not all that happy that Frankie Heard had opened her gallery because one of the first things that Frankie Heard does is actually poach a retoucher from Mrs. Gainsford's studio, a Mr. L.O. Ives, who is later involved in a land rush scam and even later actually arrested for forgery. Um, but that's only the first glimpse of some complicated side stories that are going to be related to Frankie Morris Heard. But we don't have to look at side stories for other people near Frankie to see that Frankie is interesting in her own right. As I said, she's married to A.A. Hurd, and they leave Great Bend for Topeka, Kansas around 1879 because A.A. is moving up in the world, and he becomes a big lawyer for the Santa Fe Railroad. As far as we can tell, Frankie Hurd doesn't actually become a photographer in Topeka, but that may be because things aren't that happy at home, and eventually Frankie and A.A. are divorced in the early 1880s. They're still on friendly terms, though, and they have a son together, so they still keep in quite close contact. And around that time, in the early 1880s, A.A. helps by 
getting a life insurance policy for Frankie's mother, Nanny. Apparently that strikes somebody as such a good idea that Frankie actually takes out a second insurance policy on Nanny for twice as much as the first one, for a total of $15,000. And eventually in the 1880s, Nanny comes to live with Frankie. Oh, I should mention at this point, Frankie Hurd has reverted back to her maiden name of Morris, so she's known after this as Frankie Morris. In November of 1884, Grover Cleveland gets elected. And Frankie and Nanny are really happy about that, and they decide to have a celebratory beer to toast to the health of Grover Cleveland. Almost immediately, both Frankie and Nanny fall sick, and several days later, Nanny actually dies. After the funeral, Frankie, who again is going by her maiden name of Morris, files to get the insurance money that, of course, those two policies represented, which again was $15,000. However, the insurance companies are not paying off, and so she brings suit against them in May of 1885. But the insurance companies are quite suspicious at this point of Frankie Morris and ask the sheriff to exhume the mother's body and do an examination, and lo and behold, traces of arsenic are found in poor Nanny's body. So Frankie Morris is arrested in June of 1885 and charged with the murder of her mother. At the moment when she's arrested and it starts to hit the papers, this is all the Kansas newspapers are talking about. Her ex-husband, he's one of her attorneys initially, and he brings in a couple of high-powered attorneys that get involved as well. Now Frankie's trial for murder starts in July of 1885. She's described as being extremely handsome in the newspapers, and some people think that the insurance companies actually bought people off to get her brought to trial to avoid having to pay her the insurance money. But despite all that, she's actually convicted in August of 1885. On the day she is convicted, August 11th of 1885, she marries a traveling salesman, H.D. Loveland. It will later turn out that she'd been having an affair with H.D. Loveland, for many years before this trial, and he actually had been married, but he's managed to get a divorce in time to marry Frankie on August 11th of 1885. A. Hurd attends the wedding of his ex-wife, and it's held in a hotel, which is actually the same hotel where he was going to marry the hotel keeper's daughter later that year. Anyway, Frankie Morris's lawyers aren't going to take that conviction lightly, so they file motion to get a new trial. Um, the grounds that they cite are the fact that the DA, uh, Mr. Cox, said derogatory things about Frankie Morris outside of court, and there are suggestions that Mr. Cox actually threatened and coerced a witness to testify against her. So Frankie Morris, who is now known as Frankie Morris Loveland, of course, she's married H.D. Loveland, she's granted a new trial. Between the time she's released on bail in September of 1885 and around November and December of 1885, um, some of the key witnesses go missing, and without them, the second trial can't go forward, so Frankie is set free in November of 1885. Of course, it's not over yet because it's really all about the insurance money, right? So Frankie goes back to court. But in an odd twist, that DA, Mr. Cox, who was said to have said derogatory things against her outside of court the first trial. Well, in the insurance uh, case, D.A. Cox is actually on her side helping her sue for the insurance money. 
So Frankie goes back to court. This drags on for a couple of years, but this time she actually wins. She gets the two insurance payouts plus interest for a total of $17,000. That's about $250,000 today. Now, unfortunately, because of all the trials and because of all the effort it took to get that insurance payout, she only winds up with $5,000 of it. The rest all goes to her attorneys. I should note that a few months before she gets the money, she actually winds up suing H.D. Loveland for divorce on the grounds of adultery. There are all kinds of interesting connections to this story. I mean, one of the lawyers actually goes on to become a U.S. senator. The last judge in the case winds up on the Supreme Court along with his uncle, as it turns out. And A.A. Hurd goes on to be a really big-time lawyer for the Santa Fe Railroad. And H.D. Loveland goes on to be a big shot in California on the Railroad Commission. Also, I just want to point out a couple of the details of some of the backstory of Frankie and A.A. So there's no clear evidence of where Frankie was born or how exactly she wound up in Great Bend and met A.A. Hurd to begin with. There were rumors during her first trial that she actually came to Great Bend uh, to work in a, hmm, how should I put this, house of ill repute. That's all denied, of course. But then later, Frankie actually claims in some subsequent court testimony that, well, she and A, her, did actually visit ill-fame houses in Great Bend, i.e. houses of ill repute, but she was never a, quote, inmate of any of them. These are the terms in the newspaper article that details her testimony. And besides, Frankie points out, she changed her ways after hearing the great revivalist, Reverend E.P. Hammond. Hammond, I should note, uh, was very famous. Uh, He's credited with converting William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. But probably the most interesting thing that happens to Frankie while she's out on bail back in September of 1885 is that she encounters another woman from Kansas who has an equally interesting side story. I should note that, remember, Frankie is convicted of the murder of her mother, arsenic poisoning. In August of 1885, in another town, Emporia, Kansas, the mayor of Emporia dies unexpectedly. And his wife, who is a young woman, 30 years his junior, is charged with poisoning him. That woman's name is Minnie Walkup. In September of 1885, Frankie Morris was brought to Minnie's trial by one of her lawyers, a man named Thomas Fenton. And apparently, according to the newspapers, Frankie and Minnie had quite the chat that day. So the odd thing is that Minnie Walkup was actually on my list to bring to you in a podcast episode because although she was not herself a photographer, there is an interesting connection to a photographer in Emporia, Kansas. That photographer and the rest of Minnie Walkup's story is going to be in the next episode. So today, I really wanted to just bring you how you just never know where finding a CDV done by an early woman photographer, you just never know where that will lead you. My husband and I picked up this CDV at a paper show we went to recently. Um, When we got home, we each picked a photo from the pile of photographs that we had purchased there, and my husband hit the jackpot with Mrs. F.M. Hurd of Great Bend, Kansas. It wasn't just finding her in a directory or even finding newspaper ads for her photograph gallery, 
But there was also this amazing, unexpected side story of a woman who, for several years there in Kansas, was quite notorious. A couple of final notes. We think that Morris was Frankie's main name, but that's not actually certain. My husband, Chris, who did all of the research on Frankie Morris that I presented today, he uncovered something that indicates that her name might have been Ellen Frances Johnson. So it's hard to say where Morris would have come from. It's just not clear. Unfortunately, my husband and I have not been able to track down what happened to Frankie after she got that money. That's the last mention of her in the newspaper. When her ex-husband, A.A. Heard, dies, he has a large obituary and a large write-up in the various Kansas who's who directories, but there's no mention made of his first marriage to Frankie Morris. So it's hard to say whatever happened to her. But I really want to thank my husband, Chris, for doing all the research, putting it all together, and writing up a narrative of Frankie Morris, Heard Morris Loveland, and her brief career as a photographer. But that brief career produced this photograph of the man with the mustache that led to uncovering this amazing tale. Now, I'll put a copy of that CDV, of course, in the episode notes for today. That'll be, as usual, on my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. I'll also put a link to a write-up of the Frankie Morris case uh, on something called Murder by Gaslight. It's a great website that has done a lot of research on sort of notorious cases from the 1800s and early 1900s, particularly of women accused of poisoning. As always, if you have any questions or want to just drop me a line, send an email to podcast at p3photographers.net. And remember, you can follow Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols on Facebook at facebook.com slash p3photographers. So that's it for today. Again, Next time, tune in for part two of some stories of murder and mayhem from the 1800s in Kansas. And also, of course, the story of an early female photographer, which is the reason for bringing you that story. But that's it for today. Until next time, I'm Lee, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. <laughs>